The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Hey, good morning. Welcome. And if you're a guest with us today, a special welcome to you. Uh, And I'd like to start out with a little disclaimer. If this is one of your first times here, I am not Alan Fuller. Alan is the senior pastor here, and him and his family are away on vacation, and he asked me to fill in today, and so that's how I got here. If you have been around for a while, you might know me as one of the musicians and sometimes uh, a worship leader here. Um, My name is Mark Nelson, and I've actually been going to Mountain Park for 17 years. I started going when it was over at uh, Mountain Point, Uh, and so I've done a lot of different things here over the years. Uh, This is my first time ever speaking, though. Um, so, uh, so hopefully you guys will make it through this. So, um, um, you know. <laughs> so a couple things about me so uh, we can connect maybe a little better. Uh, first of all, I've been married for 27 years to my beautiful wife, Michelle. Yay! She's absolutely terrified that I'm speaking today. Uh, we have three... Adult children, I love that, those two words together. We have three adult children, uh, the youngest of which just left for college in California, and, uh, which, is, which is great. My house is so much more peaceful than it was. Um, we're not quite to that point where we miss her just yet, but I'm sure it's coming. But uh, she's having a great time in California, and uh, we stay in touch constantly. Um, I also have a day job. And in my day job, I lead creative teams in the design and development of educational software for teachers and students. And I love my day job. It's a a great uh, thing. I feel like um, I I get to do something that makes a difference in people's lives. I do want to share one other thing with you that's a little more personal, something that maybe will help us connect over the course of uh, the next few minutes that we're together. I have a dog. No, I do. It's a big thing. So there's a picture of him. Uh, His name is Sawyer. He's 9.2 pounds of unconditional love. That's more unconditional love than most people can bear. Uh, He's doing what he always does. He doesn't do much more than that. Uh, He stays near and he kind of stares at you as if to say, can I help you with anything? Uh, so, So that's my dog. One more thing. In my heart of hearts, I truly believe that Jesus is everything. Now, I don't always walk that out. And it's my desire to walk that out in a more full way, moment by moment. But I do believe that Jesus is everything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Lord, you're so good. And you're so near. And you long to care for us and to lead us. You long for us to see you as you are and to accept you and to follow. Lord, by the power of your spirit, be near today. Change hearts. Amen. So the world we live in today 
is full of messages. It's 24-7. It gets shouted out from our TV sets. They tell us everything, who we should vote for, what we should think about, how we should dress. You leave your TV, you get in your car, and you hear it on the radio. Uh, some of you probably listen to talk radio, which is bad, and we'll, uh, we'll pray for you later. But you hear all kinds of messages in talk radio. And it used to be that our phones were things that sat in our houses and rang occasionally, and now we carry them with us, and they don't just bring us people to talk to, they bring us emails that are filled with wonderful deals from Living Social and Groupon. They bring us texts. They bring us constant news. And these messages can be overwhelming, but we're pretty resilient people, we're pretty adaptive, and we figure out how to deal with this. I mean, it's coming at us all the time. You have to deal with it or it's going to overwhelm you. And so what do we do? We start to sort things and label things. Um, in the job that I'm in and on the internet, we call that a tag. A tag's a label that you put on something and it says, oh, this is what this is. And so in one word, you can go, oh, I like that tag. I'm going to learn more about it. Oh, I don't like that tag. I'm, I'm going to ignore that. So tags are very useful. It helps us sort through all of these messages. Um, so for example, a, a very real way we use tags is um, movies are all tagged. I mean, you know, there are thousands and thousands of movies. How are you going to know what to see? I mean, it's easy if you're actually going to a movie because you get to the Cineplex and there's only 24 playing. So you can figure that out pretty easy, right? But what if you're at home and you're trying to find a movie on Netflix and there's hundreds of thousands of badly organized movies and you could sit there looking for the movie you want for longer than it'll take to actually watch the movie. Um, but they've tagged them so that it makes it a little bit easier. One way they tag them is ratings. Uh, we're all aware of the ratings, right? So if a movie has a G rating, we know what that means. That means that only people with children will ever see this movie. No one else will go see that movie. Then there's two that I kind of lumped together, PG and PG-13. These are good first date movies. There, you can go there, and if the, if the story's pretty good, you can all agree there's nothing going to be too weird or too offensive. And so PG, PG-13, those are good movies uh, when you're just getting to know somebody. Then there's those R-rated movies, restricted, uh, nobody under 17. These are movies that all young teenagers want to see. I don't know why. Maybe because they can't. Um, and then there's one more rating, NC-17. We don't really need to talk about that. If a movie has an NC-17 rating, none of us are probably going to see it anyway. It could be good, could be bad. We wouldn't know. So, um, so they, they have ratings. They also, they're sorted by genre, which is very helpful too. Um, so I only get to pick one movie in six at our house. We see six. I get to pick one of those. I usually, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to pick... Uh, something that everybody will like, and so I very rarely um, pick something that I really care about. But there's action, there's comedy. Um, my wife's favorite movies are independent movies. You might not be familiar with what an independent movie is. Um, let's see, what's the best way to tell you about this? An independent movie, so first of all, if you really wanted to go see one, they only play at the Camel View 5 in Scottsdale. That's the only theater in Phoenix where you can see one. Um, other things about independent movies, there's a lot of dialogue in them and very little music, lots of talking. So if you like talking, you might like independent movies. They're often about foreign places and foreign stories, and sometimes they're actually in a foreign language, 
which in a way is a bonus, because it's one of the only times you get to experience two forms of entertainment at the same time. You can read a book exactly at the same time you're watching a movie. So that's, that's kind of good. So we see a lot of independent films. But my very favorite genre, I already told you something about myself. I told you that I had a dog, something that was deeply personal to me. This is probably a little more revealing. My favorite genre of movie is romantic comedy. Now, I know, I know, it's terrible. But really, seriously, Katherine Heigl in 27 Dresses, amazing. 50 First Dates with Drew Barrymore. And my absolute favorite, Made in Manhattan with Jennifer Lopez. I've seen that like a thousand times. Not really. So what do I like about romantic comedies? Um, I like them because they're short. There are no three-hour romantic comedies. I don't have a lot of time, so that's, that's good. I like them because their body count is really low. Not a whole lot of people getting blown up or anything. So, you know, you can kind of, you don't have to really get stressed out during the movie. So that's nice. And they usually have a happy ending, which is also very positive. So in movies, we don't just tag the movies and so we can sort them. Movies are also filled with very easily identifiable characters. Um, characters that we can come to know really quickly by just a few tags, and then we can figure out what they're going to do. So like in romantic comedies, there's very often the good girl, right? She's perfect, sort of. She's got something that we can't figure out right under the surface, maybe something tragic that happened before, but, but she's perfect. She's beautiful, um, of course, you know, she's absolutely beautiful. These days, the good girl's usually quirky. She has a kind of slightly off-kilter worldview, maybe wears funny little glasses or something, but she's a little quirky. Um, she's a vegetarian that's thinking of stepping up her game, maybe going vegan. She, um, she loves the earth, and she hangs out with her parents, and she volunteers at the local mission, where she met another character that we know, the bad boy. And the bad boy, on the surface, he seems perfect, too, but he's actually living a lie just so he can get the good girl. And he says, well, he's beautiful for sure. He says he likes quirky, but it's really kind of starting to grate on him. Um, he's a vegetarian too, but he eats a lot of meat. <laughs> he, um, he loves the earth, particularly when he's crushing it under the tires of his new off-road vehicle. He hasn't called his parents in three years and he volunteers the local mission because he heard from friends it was a good place to find a good girl. So I've told you, just through some quick tags, some characters, if I handed out a piece of paper right now and said, write the story of how these two interact, you've already filled in your mind the rest of it, and you can start to put together all the ins and outs of how they're going to interact and how they're going to interact with the other people around them. That's great for movie actors and characters in movies, but we do that with people too. We tag people very quickly we evaluate them quickly. In a second, we can decide, is this somebody that's gonna be my friend or am I gonna walk right by? Is this somebody that I can trust or is it somebody that I deem untrustworthy? Is this somebody I'm gonna to wanna to spend a lot of time with or have I already spent way too much time just going past them? We make these decisions and they're not all bad. A lot of this helps us just deal with the chaos of our lives, but it can be very, very limiting. You see, as we move through life, we all pick up tags. It may be something that happened to us when we were a child. It could be something that somebody said to us. 
They could be good things. It could be something that we worked really hard for. And we enjoy when people recognize us and label us that way. It could be actions we took or chances. They can change over time. Some of them can fall away. But all of us pick up these tags. One thing about them, they're mostly about the past or the present. They don't ever speak about possibilities. When I started to think about tags, I thought about the ones that we pick up from the world as we live life, and the ones we pick up from others, and the ones we place on ourselves. And then I thought about, are there tags that God would put on us? And I thought, yeah, there are. It'd probably start with loved. Then it'd go to forgiven, limitless possibilities, redeemed, called, saved. A whole different way of looking at somebody. So we're going to look at a story today of two people with very different tags. One of them has only one label in the scripture, crippled. The world has labeled him crippled the way he was born. And then the other, the other has a tag he picked up directly from Jesus, and he's called Rock or Peter. And the way these two interact uh, and what transpires between them uh, is, is pretty amazing. We're going to look at Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles with you and you're looking for Acts, it's in the New Testament. That's the books in the back. It's about five books in. And we're going to start in chapter 3. That comes right after chapter 2. It's trying to be helpful. And we're going to start in verse 1. A little background here, though. Um, this is within weeks of the crucifixion of Jesus. And right after the crucifixion, all the apostles went into hiding behind locked doors. They were terrified, as well they should be. The man they claimed was Savior and Lord, the Messiah, had been taken from them, brutally beaten, and murdered. But then he rose from the dead. And one of the most telling truths of his resurrection is the change in the apostles' lives. They went from being locked in hiding to now going back out into the very streets, the very temple where their Lord was beaten and judged and killed. And they're teaching with power in those same places, fearlessly. It's one of the most startling transitions in all history. Something happened to those men. So they've taken to going up to the temple every day and preaching and teaching. And they're headed there now. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So here's, here's our first guy. He's the crippled guy. But I want you to notice about him is that he is getting by. He has accepted his fate. He has friends that carry him 
to the gate beautiful every day to beg. We find out later, this man was lame from birth and he's 40 years old at the time of this story, 40 years. So he's figured out ways. They get him there on that mat and he can't get up from that mat. He's there and he begs. That's the only way he can make a living in the society that he is in. So he's, he's kind of figured it out. Within the limitations that he has, he's getting by. He is also aware, he must be aware that Jesus was crucified and that there are claims that he was resurrected. He has to be aware that Peter and John are the apostles because it's what everybody's talking about. So as they approach the temple, I wonder, does he think in the back of his mind, even though he's kind of got everything set and he's getting by, is there that one thought in the back of his mind that maybe, just maybe, just maybe I could be set free from this? I've heard that other people were. Maybe. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. In that one instant, transformed. Can you imagine the tags that this guy's picked up by the gate beautiful begging every day? Can you imagine how broken this man was? And in an instant, he was transformed. Born again. All the labels gone. He immediately gets up and he starts to jump around, but pretty soon he's so unaccustomed to walking, he's actually hanging on John and Peter walking through the temple. I think it's such a beautiful picture of a brand new Christian already leaning on those more mature Christians around him. You know, his whole view, the cripple that day, it was another day and he was going to do the same thing. Peter, on the other hand, he was looking for something different to happen. To Peter right now, undeniably, Jesus is everything. There's nothing else. Peter's been hanging out with Jesus for about three years now. Jesus always calls us from where we are to where he is. And he called Peter from being a fisherman and called him to be a fisher of men. Peter was there in the boat when he saw Jesus walking on the waves and asked to come out and stepped out of that boat onto the waves. Peter was there when Jesus had drawn 5,000 men to himself out in the wilderness and there was no way to feed them. And he had, Jesus had the disciples break pieces of bread and fish and put it in baskets and distribute it to the 5,000 people sitting in groups on the hill. Have you ever thought about how long that would take? I mean, I just think of being in a wedding reception line waiting for food. There's 100 people. It takes like three hours. <laughs> Imagine 12 guys with baskets that aren't full 
feeding 5,000. Imagine the experience Peter had of carrying that nearly empty basket to group after group and having it be more than enough. Peter was a follower of Jesus. He recognized that Jesus was the Son of God, but he also denied him three times. But then Jesus came back and went to see Peter directly after his resurrection and restored him. And now Peter's fired up. Peter's all about Jesus. Peter didn't go to the temple today for same old, same old. He's headed up for prayer, but he's looking for God. Now, this scene is pretty chaotic. This is, a, this is a place where commerce is transacted. There are roles that people know how to play. People are coming and going. People are buying and selling. People are walking by. It says that Peter and John have been going to the temple daily to pray and teach. Do you know how many times they walk past this guy? A lot. But this day, Peter is looking for God. And he looks down and in the face of the cripple, he sees him. And he says, I don't have what you asked me for, but I have what you need. I'd love to see like that, right? To be at the mall or at the Safeway up here and to not see all the labels and hear the noise, but to see what God sees at that moment. And that's, that's why we pursue this. That's why we want to be in a place where Jesus is everything. Carrying on in 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness... We had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and no, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. That complete healing, I love the way they described there, that complete healing is available for all of us. It's something that, that we can take advantage of. We can stop at any given moment and consider the tags that we have and we can turn to God and we can say, God, I, I don't like this one. I, I can't, I can't. I, I, need, I need you to reveal the truth to me. I need you to lead me. And it's just something that's been on my mind lately. I think about it a lot. And I, I start to thinking about it. Um, and I, if you picked up one of the inserts, uh, there are four questions that I'd like us to consider as we close today. Um, 
I'm going to invite the band back up. But as they come, one of the things I asked about myself is, if I think about my own identity, do I identify myself as a follower of Jesus? So an active participant, somebody that's getting after it, somebody that has been called, that's moving from where I was found to where he is. Is that something that I could say about myself? Is that a tag that I have? And then I asked myself, would other people describe me as a follower of Jesus? What if I overheard a conversation between two of my coworkers where one was explaining who I was and the type of person I was? Now, I realize that religion has no place in the workplace. But what if it did? Would one of my coworkers tell another, yeah, that guy's a follower of Jesus? And then I asked myself, are there specific things that control me, specific views that I have about myself or ones that I've accepted that others have placed on me that are limiting the possibilities and the things that God has for me? Am I so caught up in the messages of this world and this place that I'm just going along with the flow? Are there specific messages that if they were removed would be different for me? And then the last one. How would your day-to-day be different if you truly believe Jesus is everything? So the cripple's day-to-day started off the way all of his days-to-days started, headed to the temple for another day of begging. Peter's day-to-day was vastly different. He was looking for what God was doing, and he found it. How would our days day-to-day be different if we believe truly that Jesus is everything. That's where I want to go. That's where I'm headed. I, uh, I love that we can practice our faith together here and that Jesus is alive in us and that we get to share in his good work. And we're going to give an opportunity now for all of us to respond. If you're a guest with us today, we have response stations set up, like the cross over here. And the cross you can take, and maybe there's a tag that you want to get rid of today. You can come down here and write it and nail it to the cross. There are candles up front. There's a place for you to pray here where no one will bother you. And then just like the cripple was hanging on John and Peter as he learned to walk out his newly found faith, there are stations around where you can find people that can pray with you. Or you can sit in your chairs and talk directly to God and sing and worship. But whatever you do, take this moment, let the messages of the world fall away and focus in on what God's saying to you, what God's calling you to now. Let's pray. Lord, we love and adore you. We ask that your presence would be rich in this moment. that as we turn our hearts to you, you would speak directly to us, that you would pour your love out on us, that we would be changed and healed and set free. In Jesus' name, amen.